Good morning, everybody. My name is Andrew Bowles. I'm the Senior Minister at St Mark's. It's great to be with you here this morning, praising God and uh, spending some significant time allowing ourselves to worship him. So thank you, Ali. Now, the psalm that we've just heard begins, Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Now, I was wanted to ask you or to think about, when was the last time that you shouted for joy? When's the last time you shouted for joy? When have you been so overjoyed you've just had to let it out? That's, that's something that might be a bit foreign to some of us here. I've noticed, I think, that Australian culture in general, being part of the great British Empire for so long, we've tended to pick up some of that British reserve, you know. The stiff upper lip, it's best not to show too much emotion, that might be a bit unseemly. We might give a gentle cheer, a slight smile, but keep it under, under control. Now, I'm from that culture myself. I'm sorry? Yes, that's what I was going to say, though. There is one exception to this when we shout for joy, which is at sporting events. Um, so, then, I don't know if there's any GWS fans here. I don't imagine there are. But if there are, you might have shouted for joy. You've got to be kidding, he says. Or perhaps when Australia wins gold at the Olympics, we allow ourselves to shout for joy. But other times, no. Um, but even if you're not the kind of person to run through the streets shouting for joy, yelling at the top of your voice, what, what would happen that would, might make you feel like doing that? So finishing your exams might do that. Uh, finding out that you're going to have a baby. Getting a new job. Your favourite cafe finally starts to sell vegan muffins. <laughs> yes. So what makes you shout for joy? Well, what I notice is that real joy, Authentic joy it comes from having a contrast between a difficult time that we've gone through and then changing into a good time. So the harder things have been before, the more joy we feel when great things happen. So it's one thing to be happy when your AFL team wins the grand final, but what if they haven't won it for 70 years and then they have it? How joyful would you be then? There's a lot of shouting, I imagine. And, you know, having a baby is wonderful always, but... The joy that comes after maybe years of waiting for it, how much greater can that be? So we're talking about joy. You know, what is it though? I think it can mean many things. Uh, personally, I think joy is an experience of kind of overflowing happiness, gladness and peace that comes from really grasping and experiencing something genuinely good. And so the psalm we've read today, Psalm 66, it speaks about joy of that kind. The joy that comes from moving through struggles and difficulties with God into a time of freedom, a time of blessing and enjoyment. And the psalm speaks about how that joy is to be directed towards our life with God, a whole life of praise and thanksgiving to him. And I think that's helpful for us today, those of us who are following Jesus, to think about joy and the place of joy in our own life. I think this is helpful for us because <clears throat> it seems to me that our culture in Australia in modern times, is a bit joy deficient. So it seems like we don't know really how to enjoy ourselves in the way that we used to. You know, a lot of the festivals that we used to have, which are opportunities to be thankful, to enjoy life and the things that we have, have gone away because of the busyness of our lives, the work that we have to do and the pressures that are on, on us. All the things that we used to use for innocent joy have become commercialised. 
and they're not so nourishing to the soul. So the big example, of course, we know that in the horizon, Christmas is coming. Now, for some of us, that is a joy, but for many of us, it's a great bit of a burden coming on the horizon, you know, something maybe not enjoyable because of the pressures in it. And I think the pressures that most of us do live under make it experiences of joy perhaps more rare and fleeting than they should be. Uh, We have more comfort and pleasure, certainly, than we used to, but comfort and pleasure are not the same thing as joy. Joy can coexist with going through quite difficult times and not having very much. And so I think one of the things that the Psalms overall teach us is that joy is one of the sort of the vitamins of the spiritual life. It's something that we need to intake regularly in order to keep the balance of healthy life before God. And the culture of God's people, according to the laws of the Old Testament, was designed to continually bring them together for communal experiences of God's joy, together. So joy in the Bible is not just about individual feelings, but it's about the life of a community that worships God and thanks him for what he has done for them. And so this brings us to the psalm. Why is he so joyful? Why is the writer of Psalm 66 so joyful? Come and see what God has done. I think probably he was happy, particularly when he wrote this song, maybe Israel, his nation, had just won a battle against one of their enemies. So as a small nation, Israel lived for a lot of their history in the middle of greater or lesser wars with uh, some of the nations around them. Sometimes they did really well and sometimes they didn't. And so they were constantly under threat by being attacked. And this really shaped their mindset before God and the things that they cared about. You know, imagine how we would feel if the hills here was constantly under threat about the tribes of Pakenham sweeping up to come and destroy all our homes. So maybe some of you are worried about that. I don't know. <laughs> you know, some McMansions dotted some quick, uh, all over the place. You know, we'd pray a lot about that here, wouldn't we? If we were worried about that, we'd sing songs, Lord, deliver us. Um, and so that was how they were feeling. And so when they won a victory, or they, um, their anxiety and their, about things would be released for a while, and joy would come. So this is probably the kind of thing that prompted this psalm. But the psalm goes further, and he talks about how this kind of experience is not just an isolated event of victory, but it's related to bigger stories and older stories about how God's people had experienced his grace, what he'd done for them in the rest of their history. So particularly we see in verses 5 to 7, he says, Come and see what God has done, his awesome deeds for mankind. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the waters on foot. Come, let us rejoice in him. He rules forever by his power. His eyes watch the nations. Let not the rebellious rise up against him. So when he writes here, you can hear he's talking about some specific events in the Old Testament that he has in mind. Uh, The first and most clear is I think that he's referring in this psalm to the time of the exodus from Egypt and the crossing of the Red Sea. And you can read about that in the book of Exodus chapter 14. And this is, of course, famously depicted in the Charlton Heston movie, The Ten Commandments, which used to be shown on TV about every second Sunday when I was growing up uh, in the afternoon, so I saw it a lot. Now... So if you know the story, the Israelites were leaving their slavery in Egypt and Moses was leading them. And they were being chased by Pharaoh and his armies and they came to the edge of the Red Sea and they were trapped and they had nowhere to go. And at that point, you know, Moses lifts up his hands and the Lord parts the waters in front of them and they walk through to the other side and escape. And so this is the great symbolic experience of liberation and salvation in the Old Testament. 
uh, and encourage you to read that story, and particularly Exodus 15, which is the song that Miriam, Moses' uh, sister, sings, which is apparently it's one of the oldest songs in the Bible, um, and it describes this pure joy that they had in being rescued by God. So Psalm 66 has this in mind. It probably also had, maybe also have in mind the story of the crossing of the River Jordan when the Israelites entered the Promised Land. And you find that in Joshua chapters 3 to 4. So again, the, Israel, the people of Israel came to this point. They, were, they came to the river, which on the other side was the land they were going to. And how they get across? Well, the waters of the river parted as the ark went through and they walked through safely. So whichever of these stories is being referred to in the psalm, it might be both. Uh, the point is to say this is what causes them to have joy. This experience and the memory of liberation, of salvation, of rescuing, you know, so come and see what God has done. His awesome deeds for humankind. And so they've been through this experience now, and many others like it after the years after that, when these difficult, impossible circumstances faced them, and they came through to the other side, into a new experience of joy and gladness. As he says in verses 8 to 12 of the psalm, this is how they felt. Praise our God, all peoples, that the sound of his praise be heard. He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. For you, God, tested us. You refined us like silver. You brought us into prison and laid burdens on our backs. You let people ride over our heads. But we went through fire and water, and you brought us to a place of abundance. So now every time something good happens to this man who wrote the psalm, Every time his prayers are answered, he goes back. It's like the Exodus all over again. It's another reason to praise God. He remembers these things every time he comes with something with God, to be joyful. And so I think from a Christian point of view, that's something that we should be doing. It's a continuing truth for us about how we experience joy with God. So because we have an even greater accumulation for us of the witnesses to God's goodness, and his saving action towards human beings than this man did. So in the New Testament, we hear more about what God's done, not, even, not just his power being shown in victory over people's enemies, going through the sea, but also in this unfathomably loving and gracious way that God has come to be part of our world, to be part of the human race in Jesus Christ. And he's defeated our enemies, not just Pharaoh, but the enemies of sin and death, the ultimate enemies, and led us through. As the psalm says, you know, come and see what God has done, his awesome deeds for humankind. And Christians can say that too. We can see what he's done. God became a human being. He lived among us. He rose, he died for us. He rose again from the dead. He sent his spirit to, on his, to his people and he's walking with us through the struggles that we go through on the way to eternal life with him. And he's bringing everything together for good in the life of the world. And so these things are so great, they defy comprehension. They, these are reasons continually to shout for joy. And we've already started to do that in our service this morning, to thank him and praise him for what he's done. Constant things to pray. As the Apostle Paul said in his famous prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, reminding people of what God has done for them. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how, high, how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know his love that passes knowledge that you may filled with, be filled with the measure of the fullness of God. So Paul is saying there's always an underlying reason for Christians to experience joy because we see and remember what God has done for us. Always. Our exodus. But this also needs to be taken up as a pattern for us. How do we live? How do we face the challenges day to day? 
So I want to go back just for a minute to the image of the Exodus and the crossing of the Red Sea, the River Jordan, because I think these are images of the kind of experiences that we have that can provide a context for this kind of joy to enter into our lives. So, you know, as the Israelites did, we regularly, I think, come up against circumstances of hitting these kind of barriers that completely block our path, you know, like coming up against a sea or a river that you can't cross. And now those experiences can be bad things that we face, like sickness, unemployment or grief, or they can also be positive challenges, though, that we have to face, things like the study that we do or raising a child and the work that that takes, or moving to a new place and finding a life again. And those things do tend to kind of fill our vision, don't they, ahead of us, and they need to be faced, they need to be worked through. It's, for me, it's like um, that, you know, the children's book, We're Going on a Bear Hunt. Now, we read this a lot. So you know, when you, in that book, when you face a challenge, you can't go over it, you can't go under it, you can't go around it, you've got to go through it, Yes. Um, And so what the psalm is saying is in the middle of that kind of experience, you've got to go through it, and it can be hard to see or feel that God is actually present in that, or it's it's a matter of faith, because the challenge before us takes up all our vision. Imagine how the Israelites felt when they got to the Red Sea. They couldn't see anything but the water. But what God is waiting for us to do is to step out with him into that sea or that river and to take the step of faith that he'll be with us. And I think of the story in the Gospels where the Apostle Peter was called by Jesus, you know, come out onto the lake. Walk on the water and come and join me. You can find that in Matthew 14. So Peter had to walk out to Jesus and he did okay for a little while until he realised what he was doing and he started to sink. He lost his faith. But Jesus picked him up, luckily. You know, it was, he, he held him on. And the psalm is saying God is actually calling all of us to this experience of trust and to come through with him to the other side where we can have joy in the fact that he's got us through and he's been with us. Uh, Because as the psalm says, joy opens up this new and expanded vision of God's love, a different way of thinking. In verse 12, he says, it's a beautiful picture. We went through fire and water, but you brought us to a place of abundance. You brought us to a place of abundance. We went through fire and water. And I think the place of abundance is not just a a place. It's actually an experience, this enlarged vision of God's goodness and his experience of his love that comes through trusting him onto the other side of that sea, you know, into the joy that he brings. That is the place of abundance. And to come to know by experience that God is good, not just by knowledge, but by experience, and to praise him in that, as he does, as the psalm does at the end. You know, I think about my own life, you know, these, these steps that God has tried to teach me, I think, how to learn ex- to experience his love more deeply, and it's usually been through these kind of experiences that are difficult, so... You know, things like family members dying or um, being disappointed in my relationships or career or um, tragedies or difficulties or unexpected things that happen. You know, that's the time when you see the abundant place that he's offering is on the other side of those things and you need to walk through that with God. But there is a place on the other side. That's what I've found. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago we talked about Psalm 40 and we thought about the idea of the mud and the mire, which is a great image of what does it mean to be in the thick of the mess of life, uh, things that drag us down and make us feel like we'll never get through. Well, this psalm is about a different place. This psalm is what, what it's, it's not what it's like what it's about being in the mud and the mire. It's about saying, how great is it when God brings you out of that onto the other side? And you're almost so, you're almost so glad that you had to go through it because of what you've learned and the experience that you've had and where you are now and the abundance that God's led you through, and the joy that comes from that experience. 
So as we sing, we continue to sing and pray and praise this God this morning, as Ali said, I encourage you to think about where does the shout of joy come from for you? Now, we may not be someone who likes to shout out loud, but where, what's the shout inside, if so? Because Jesus is our saviour. We had this song before the service, he's our rescuer. And that's what we're celebrating here today, you know. It, all of us have gone through this fire and the water, that's what it means to be human. But Jesus has brought us and he is bringing us and he will bring us to this place of abundance. That's his promise. So I want to pray as we continue our service this morning. Lord, we thank you that we can see through the scriptures and through our own lives the experience of what it means to know you. I would pray that for all of us here we would understand where joy is to be found and to follow you through things where joy and abundance is on the other side. And I pray for those of us who are in the middle of that journey, that you'd be sustaining us, lifting us up and encouraging us. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you go before us to show us the way. And I pray, Lord, that a spirit of joy would be placed in the heart of every person here today to praise you and to tell others to do the same. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.